Hi all, welcome to Windshield Time. It's about 9.50 p.m. on Thursday, January 23rd. Ooh. Hi y'all, it's Arian Seattle. <laughs> and Luggage Donkey here, also known as Day You. It's going to be super crazy quick. It was a really fun interview again with Liz Pierce. Yeah, big fan of her. Met her when we were both uh, honorees in the Peach Sound Business Journal's 40 Under 40 back in 2014. Yeah, so that's blast from the met. past. Yep. She's uh, one of my uh, favorite friends to go out drinking with. Uh, she's a total Yeah, there's a nice little story <laughs> about your drinking <laughs> escapades inside the show. Oh, yeah. She's a lot of fun. Very, very respectable woman. Uh, led uh, Liquid Planner for quite some time. Is now leading uh, Fresh Chalk. F-R-E-S-H-C-H-A-L-K.com. And they just got done raising their seed round. $2 million. Amazing. She's just amazing. And uh, her Twitter handle, it's uh, at the very end of the show, but it's uh, L-I-Z-P-R-C. So in other words, Liz Pierce. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how about some stretchy math? Yeah, what's the price of Bitcoin at? I just checked a little while ago, and it's sitting at eighty-two ninety-eight. Ooh! So to figure out the price of Bitcoin is eighty-two ninety-eight. To figure out how many satoshis are in one U.S. dollar, you take one U.S. dollar and divide it by point zero 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 eight two nine eight, and you get twelve thousand fifty-one sats per dirty U.S. fiat dollar. Wow! So that's pretty good. And I'm pretty darn psyched because now I have finished mm-hmm. the web page for us Ooh, for all the world yeah. so that anyone can plug in whatever dirty fiat dollar US dollar amount that they want mm-hmm. and then plug in the price of bitcoin whether it's the current price or any price and then the page once you hit the let's go button it'll kick out the number of sats so if you do $1 it'll be per dollar but if you do $1688 then it'll tell you exactly how many sats are in all those dollars Wow, and sats is for short, short for satoshis. Yes, exactly. The smallest unit of a Bitcoin, and there are 100 million sats in every single Bitcoin. Fascinating. All right, awesome. Well, thanks to our sponsors, CoinMe, Best Cash to Bitcoin Direct OnRamp. Yep. And also the WTIA. The Washington Technology Industry Association, representing over 1,100 technology companies in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, what a great show this was. I'm really excited about this. I learned so much more about Liz and all that she's done. It was really fascinating to see how she went from raising a whole Series B as her first fundraise to now raising her C. So that was a quite quite an interesting story. So she all she needs is the A, and then she'll <laughs> have all three letters of the, of the first bit of the alphabet. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, enjoy the show. And also a really special shout-out to the person... On the Twitter handle, M-P-L-U-N-G-J-A-N. And he is the JavaScript master who's been working on JavaScript since something like the 80s. And he was kind enough to help me out over on Stack Overflow to perfect the code that I used on the Satoshi Math URL that I'll include in the show notes. Uh, I did the extremely rudimentary first parts of the HTML and JavaScript uh, but I needed his help uh, through Stack Overflow to help me perfect it and get it working perfectly. And so um, much thank you and great appreciation to him for helping out a random guy on the web who need a little help writing code because I might seem like I write code, but I'm not a coder. I just play one on a podcast. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. And uh, I'm really happy with the sonic quality of this podcast. Uh, Liz <laughs> actually has a really, really nice radio voice, as I like to call it. Yeah. And so uh, it is. is a, it was a pleasure to uh, go into post-production for the show. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Find the YouTube channel and smash that sub- sub- uh, subscribe button. Yes. Please, YouTube, find us at Windshield Time on YouTube and smash that subscribe button. Otherwise, rate, review, subscribe, and share. And together we rise. Be nice, y'all. Bye. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Windshield Time, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a non-technical, fun, informative way to learn about money, Bitcoin, blockchains, crypto, and digital assets for busy parents and working folks who are curious about these new technologies. Day, Ari, and their guests talk about these evolutionary systems of money and what they do, y'all. Because what part of your life does money not touch? This podcast is not financial advice, and your reactions are your total and complete responsibility, y'all. Now, thanks again, and enjoy the show. When you listen to this or other shows, I try to go for a very, very good sonic quality. Cool. And uh, so, yeah. I love car talk. Oh, that's awesome. What else do you listen to? Yeah. What do you listen to? What's you in listen your to genre K-O-W of content? Or more like 957 the Jet? <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I listen to the radio in my car. Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, yes. I have a very so. short commute, luckily. <laughs> and I, I listen to NPR more and more mm-hmm. until I can't stand it. And then I listen exactly. to 1037. 1037. Because I like the throwbacks. The oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What, what's their tagline? Well, 1037, 103. I don't know. When they get to the tagline part, I change back to NPR. <laughs> <laughs> I got, you know, so our almost four-year-old, uh, the, the lentil, I taught him in the car to say, 95.7, the jet. Oh. Seattle's best variety of the 80s and more. So I'm trying to get the last part because that's long. I didn't know about 95.7. 95.7. Oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. my God. Our good friend, yeah. Matt Case. Shout yeah. out to Matt Case out there. <laughs> uh, he is. Uh, we actually, we could actually turn him on right now and listen to him between you know the songs. <laughs> oh, perfect! But yeah, he's he's like. Did you ever watch um, WKRP in Cincinnati? Yes, as a kid. So he's, I he's lived like in Dr. Cincinnati Johnny as Fever. a kid. Oh wow! What? Awesome. Right. Awesome. And you're the second people I've talked to about that today. Wow. Weirdly. Yeah. Oh, something's in the water. So he's like Dr. Johnny Fever. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah he's awesome. Did you guys grow up in Seattle? No. Nope. I grew up in North Carolina. Upstate New York. And how long have you lived here? Since 2001. 1995. Okay. So you might have, you might remember the mountain. Mm, yeah. That used to be 1037. Oh. It used to be the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And a good friend of mine is John Fisher, who okay. used to be the host of the Mountain Morning Music oh. Lounge. Oh. oh. And he now is a DJ on 94.1, oh. The Sound. Oh, nice. I listen to that one sometimes. Soft hits at work. Mm-hmm. I might have the tagline <laughs> wrong. He's also on Fresh Chalk. Uh-huh. So if you want to follow celebrity DJ John Fisher. Oh, John Fisher. Hey, John Fisher. Chalk. All nice. right. Yeah. I'll add him to nice. my list. Um, let's see. What was the thread I was going down? <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, oh, what we were listening to, what we listened to and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I just try to, you know, I, I try to mimic as much as possible the whole uh, radio experience. And, Got it. Um, you know, I just want to make good... <laughs> Consumable content for <laughs> you okay. <Clearing> my <laughs> okay, good consumable content for uh, parents and uh, you know folks who are interested in money and Bitcoin and blockchains and digital assets and crypto and all that good stuff. Yeah, and and this base, yeah. All right, so I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you get into it. All right, take it away, sir. <laughs>
Happy friendversary and 40 under 40. It's oh our gosh. five year uh, 40 anniversary. What is that? Are we still under 40? No. No. <laughs> no we're <laughs> no longer under 40. <laughs> we're not under 40 anymore. But <coughs> the journey for you since, uh, was it Liquid Planner, 40 under 40, and being the, uh, I would I would refer to you very often back then as the uh, Seattle's darling and Seattle's <laughs> star, starlet. <laughs> Um, of CEOs and entrepreneurs in the Seattle region. I still think you are because you just raised and uh, congratulations on your recent raise for Fresh Chalk, of which you're now co-founder and CEO. Um, What do you think the last five years has been like for you? Oh, gosh. Okay. So wait, let's go back. Okay. That was what year? 2014? 2014. Okay. Fall. Exactly. Five years ago yesterday. Yeah. I had probably just raised the Series B round for Liquid Planner at that point. Wow. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, as a first time CEO, first time raising venture capital, everything kind of changes once you do that. Mm -hmm. And you have a whole new set of stakeholders and a set of expectations and Mm -hmm. um, the pressure can kind of mount. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, in the time since then... I have taken two additional roles. Mm-hmm. I left Liquid Planner at the end of 2017, mm-hmm. and I spent most of last year with a Portland-based company called Stream. Oh yeah, which is I really totally cool. Forgot about that. They're a great company. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the Fresh Talk opportunity came around at the beginning of this year, uh-huh. and I jumped in with both feet to a brand new consumer startup. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty uh, like quite the journey. Yeah, and uh, that's just work. And that's just on I the mean, work side. Oh, yeah. And on the personal side, you like on the what, personal what's been side, going on there? Um, let's see here. I got divorced. Oh. That happened. It's happens a big to life people change. sometimes. Happens yep. to the best yeah. of us. Happens to the best <laughs> of us. Yep. Luckily, I have an amazing ex-husband and co-parent. Um, and my mom got sick. Oh. And shockingly, she's doing great. Okay. She has pancreatic cancer. Oh. And she's, it's been over three and a half years since her diagnosis. Wow. And she's doing great. Good. So all of those things have been kind of going on in the background. Wow. But I think as an entrepreneur and any any person who's trying to make a living and take care of their kids, you've put it to the side and focus on what you have to focus on every day. I think that's one thing that I think startup founders who aren't used to running a business and growing it from scratch, I think they don't understand the challenge that comes in with uh, managing people and it's not just their work persona that you're you know getting to know you're taking the whole person in you know everything and and, and it shows up at work maybe you know it, maybe it's not great for coworkers and such but that's just the way it is yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and everybody at every level is dealing with their own set of challenges yeah. Yeah. inside work and outside work yeah and i think a lot of us who are in leadership positions can get so focused on what we're expected to achieve right. and deliver that you can forget that the people who are making it all happen your team are you know real people and they have lots going on and they're multi-dimensional okay. and you know they're sometimes you'll you'll get reminders of that maybe it's your own weakness or failing or struggle mm-hmm. that reminds you that you know everybody's everybody has something yeah. and being kind and understanding yeah. and giving people the benefit of the doubt can go a long way yeah, yeah. Wow. It's like humanity wrapped up right there. Like, don't forget we're all human. And um, that really should be the most important part of why 
we work. Like we work hard so that we can have wonderful moments and eat good food and enjoy life with our friends and family and explore, right? Let's go back to Series B. Like for people on that are listening, what does Series B mean? Uh-huh. Is that a zillion dollars? Like what is that? <laughs> well, I think Series B means something different today than it did even five years ago. Oh, really? And I think today our Series B would have would probably be an A, oh. Series A. Oh, <clears throat> really? So it was a ten million dollar round, uh-huh. and um, you know we were a well established business at that point. Right. We had lots of customers. We were a recurring revenue SaaS project management company. Still is. Liquid Planner is still still going. Um, and the raise was very much about numbers, mm-hmm. right? Everything could be dissected and analyzed. How many new customers are you bringing in? How many customers are leaving? What are they paying? How much does it cost to get them? You know, what does it cost to support them? All those things could be scrutinized mm-hmm. in a lens that was that is, you know, every other SaaS company out there. Mm-hmm. And investors have a very I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like their job is too They're easy. They savage. have a they have an easy <laughs> you know, they have the ability to kind of look at a large data set and make a decision based on, you know, one individual company's performance mm-hmm. as to whether they want to invest. Yeah. Um, and I think today, you know, that phase of the company would probably be an A mm. for a lot of SaaS companies. Mm. Yeah. So I haven't actually formally done a series A or series B. So like, what is that experience like? Cause you just raised a seed recently. Congratulations again for fresh yeah, chalk. Congratulations. Yeah. Fresh chalk.com. Yeah. Um, how, what were you thinking about doing a Series B? Because to me, that's like, whoa. Like, what does that mean? Well, it was interesting because I had not raised the Series A okay. at Liquid Planner. I wasn't CEO at that time. And I had never raised money at all. Oh, wow. So I I kind of went in blind to the process. And I just, you know, packed my bag and went down <laughs> to Silicon Valley. And I was like, here I am. Here's my deck. Here's my business. You know, here's what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. And you know, looking for the right partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pitching most of the investors cold. Wow. I'd never met them before um, on my own. What? And so you just like sent them email like, hey, we already did our series A. So we're doing a series B. If you'd be interested, I'm going to be in town on these dates. Let's chat. chat. More or less. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm sure that I got some intros and mm-hmm. yeah, more or less, I, I just kind of went down there and started knocking on doors. Bravery. So... Yeah. Naivete. Naivete. <laughs> We're maybe they're maybe they can be conflated. So we hear a lot of dialogue about how hard it is to be a female founder and female entrepreneur CEO. Did you feel any of that femaleness in your series B conversations? Like did they have the token, you know, female investor in the room type of thing? Or no. ask you things about like, you know, do you have children? Like these are a lot of questions that like seed or precede female founder experience. Did you feel that? I did not. Uh, it wasn't explicit. Okay. You know, I, I was conscious of being the only woman in the room mm-hmm. in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I was so concerned about knowing my numbers and telling the story the right way mm-hmm. and talking about our strengths mm-hmm. and having a good understanding of the competitive landscape that I was almost too occupied in my brain mm-hmm. to focus on whether stuff. I was being looked at differently because I was a woman. Mm-hmm. I was so insecure about all of those things that I, um, you know, was able to kind of forget that mm-hmm. 
maybe I was the only female CEO they would talk to that week. Mm. I would say fast forward five years, it was a very different experience this time. What was this time? So so seed. many more female investors. Fe- more female investors. Many more. Okay, yeah. great. I think I went. I went. I had one day in the valley where I only met with women investors. What? I know. What? That's amazing. Isn't that crazy. That gives me chills down my back. I know. That's who are awesome. who, who? I guess who? Can you talk about who became the investors of Fresh Chalk? Sure. <laughs> well, our our major investor yeah. is named Allie. Ooh, Allie. But it's a man. It's a man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he's a great man. Okay. His name is Ali Partovi. Okay. And he is um, well known for making some great investments in companies like Facebook and Ooh, Dropbox and nice. many others that you've heard of. Wow. Um, he is a twin. His twin brother is Hadi Partovi, who is currently the CEO. I think he's CEO of Code.org. Yeah. He's and very, very well known. Very well known. Oh. And, and they've made a huge impact through yeah. that organization. Yeah. I think, and, you know, kids here and all over the country. Yeah. And Neo is the fund that Allie runs. Oh. And it's really interesting and unique in that they're very focused on the community. Oh. So when you take an investment from Neo, you become part of the Neo community. Mm-hmm. And their main mission mm-hmm. is focused around identifying great talent in the universities and helping nurture that those individuals into entrepreneurship careers. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So they have a program called Neo Scholars. Oh. And they it's very, very selective, but they're picking, you know, the the best and the brightest of the country's engineering students and bringing them together to kind of learn and connect through this community Hmm, interesting yeah wow is there what were some differences that you noticed from your experience of doing series b with series seed and there was a difference between also b2b versus b2c consumer versus business yeah Yeah. businesses yeah everything has changed (laughs) um the series seed is much more about selling the vision Hmm. and painting the picture of what the world will be like when you ultimately achieve your mission um, with your company. And I am very lucky to have amazing co-founders who have had many successes. They're all engineers. Mm-hmm. And as we speak, are <laughs> back at the office. Do you want to give a shout out to them? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, one of our co-founders is based in Austin, Texas. Oh. His name is Nathan Kriege. He was a co-founder um, of a company called Dwellable. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. With... Adam, who I'll talk about in a minute. And he also was a co-founder of a company called Snapvine. And he's just an exceptional person and engineer. Um, Adam Doppel and Patrick O'Donnell are the other two. They they together founded Urban Spoon. Oh, nice. Which if you were into restaurants a few years ago, you were probably paying some attention to. Yeah. Uh, They sold that company to IEC, which was basically City Search Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Adam then went on to found Dwellable with Nathan. But they've all worked together across many companies over the years. And they have this really amazing sense of trust between them. And I feel lucky that they've expanded that circle to include me. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are, you know, gifted in building products that consumers love to use. And I think that was a big part of what got people excited about Fresh Chalk 
because what we're trying to do is has been tried before right by yeah. many others yeah and we think it's an idea whose time has come yeah so then um well like back to like what it was like to do series b versus series c and your experience now um the second part to that is like they came and found you too right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, weirdly, although we must have just been passing each other on the street for years and not recognizing each other. We'd never met before we were introduced when they began looking for a CEO. Mm -hmm. That was um, at the end of last year. Yeah. And yeah, it was, you know, it, I think it was a good match. They're great at building product and they were really looking for someone who was more focused on building the business, you know, had sales and marketing experience. And that's kind of my contribution to the, to the founding team. Awesome. Yeah. But raising the seed was, you know, in some ways easier because, you know, it really does come down to having a story that people get excited about. Is the problem that you're trying to solve relatable? Do they believe there's a big opportunity there? Mm -hmm. And do they believe the team can execute it? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to disentangle the success we had in pulling the seed round together from the fact that we're all at this point now experienced entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. have done it before. Mm -hmm. And maybe people can take a little more of a leap of faith with investors who have had some success before with entrepreneurs who've had success before right. than new entrepreneurs. But, um, you know, it's still not easy. You're still going to get mm -hmm. a lot of no's. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it is now maybe a little bit better understood that just because you get a no from an investor who you were, you know, you really thought you had a good chance with. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything about your company's future. Right, right. Absolutely. There's, uh, I don't know if you know Boris Wirtz. Oh, yeah, yeah. From mm -hmm. version one. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He just actually published, and I, I, I wish every VC would do this, all of the great deals they passed on. <laughs> and he made that point. Um, you yeah, know. It's called the anti-portfolio. The anti-portfolio. Yeah, oh, is this something time. everybody does? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their anti-portfolio is it's super impressive. Yeah, investor. and it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a great reminder to entrepreneurs that every good company has been passed on by investors. Yeah. And it's a mindset of expecting the no mm -hmm. and being pleasantly surprised when you get a yes. <laughs> because you're, statistically, you're going to get tons of no's. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's about rejection. Right. <laughs> Embracing the rejection. Yeah. Hey, can we go back real quick on the yeah. story about, because you reminded me this morning uh, when you guys went out and, and met, you know, five years ago, yeah. you said you wound up doing something very special in our driveway here. <laughs> uh, what? So, <laughs> <laughs> there aren't very many people that I'm willing to like drink and drink to the ends of the earth with. So you're one of the special people uh -oh. to me because I feel very safe <laughs> in drinking to the ends of the earth. So one of the last times before I got pregnant recently, we went out, and Liz knows a lot of the coolest bars in Seattle. <laughs> so if you want to go drinking with someone that knows all the cool bars, <laughs> Liz is it. And I like I to have fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And then I came home, and I like stood. I got out of the car. I got the Uber home, and I barfed all over the driveway <laughs> oh my god and then i sat on the front step and i was like not feeling good and i barfed more there <laughs> oh, no. and then i went up to the front door and it was locked and so i barfed there and then i like made it through the side door yeah so i was wow. telling day about my uh, barfing you know two three in the morning <laughs> 
I did not have that experience that night. (laughs) I'm sorry you did. I just remember having fun exploring Capitol Hill with you, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry it turned out that way. Oh, it was good. You know, releasing. Bill's character. There you go. Exactly. He's got a lot of character. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. You wanted to include that story? You wanted to include that story? Fun and informational. Fun and informational. All right. So Series B to Series C, you learned a lot. Um, I see a lot of insights. And what is the story, the vision of FreshChalk.com? Well, maybe I can start with the story okay. of how Fresh Chalk came about. Oh, yeah. And it it is really my co-founder, Adam's story. Oh. He and his family, along with Nathan and his family and all the other Dwellable employees, relocated to Austin, Texas when Dwellable was acquired by HomeAway, which later became Expedia, ironically. And when they moved down there, they bought bought homes and suddenly realized that they had none of the professionals that they had established relationships with back in Seattle to help them in their new city. And so Adam started in his maximizer fashion putting together a spreadsheet of the best people that he could find, the best plumbers, the best electrician, painter, pool person, you name it, it went to a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And the other employees that moved down got wind of the spreadsheet and they were like, yo, can we have your spreadsheet? And it got a dialogue happening across these people about how hard it is to find professionals that you can trust, Mm -hmm. even in this world of information overload that you get when you go to Google or Yelp or any of the existing players. Mm -hmm. And the difference is that the the reviews you find on those sites are from strangers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't know if you can trust them. You don't know if they're employees of that vendor's competitor. Mm -hmm. You don't know if it's employees of the company itself. Mm -hmm. You know, you really have no idea who's writing Mm -hmm. and what their motivation is. And so most of us, including... Adam's connections and friends in Austin really were looking for that friend, that personal recommendation. Mm -hmm. When he ultimately moved back to Seattle, Mm -hmm. same thing happened all over again Mm -hmm. to the point where people would be constantly asking him for his spreadsheet. His spreadsheet. And in typical engineer fashion, the light bulb appeared above his head and, you know, it was like, there has to be a better way. There has to be. And Fresh Talk was born. So that was the end of last year. And... You know, what we found as we started going out and talking to more and more people in the community is that, you know, there is really a huge need that is still unmet by existing sites when it comes to finding people you can trust. And there are certain categories where it's really important. You're not going to get your kid's pediatrician off the Internet. It's too important. If you have to have surgery, if you are hiring a therapist, these are... These are professionals who you want a personal trusted recommendation for. Right. You know, there are oftentimes when you know, maybe you're remodeling your home or spending a lot of money on something that, get, you know, the stakes get pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. And Fresh Talk is all about helping you find the best local professionals from your existing social network. And it actually worked for us. I, I, I was, uh, remember I told you uh, we found our new addition to the family, our au pair, through Fresh Chalk, I was like, what are we going to do for childcare? This is so crazy. And, and you then were handling that on your own, and then all of a sudden you're like, we're going to use au pair care. I'm like, all right, I've never heard of them, sure. <laughs> yeah, and one of the women that we know, Shauna, um, had posted out oh, how much she loved au pair care and how she had used au pair care for all of her three children. And I was like, oh, 
I like her. I know she's on top of her stuff. I know this has got to be good. And so I reached out to her and pinged her and asked her about, you know, au pair care. Signed up and here we are. We have our newest addition to the family. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we hear stories like this a lot. People who find a recommendation on Fresh Chalk have a much easier time. They don't feel the need to do the same kind of vetting and research and spend hours reading reviews to make the call to call someone, or right. to, to hire someone. Right. And everybody's busy. Everybody yeah. has a stack of chores <laughs> to take care of. Mm -hmm. And if we can make that process easier, that will be a huge value to our community. Yeah. Um, the best thing that we see on Fresh Talk is when someone comes in, mm -hmm. looks at a friend, clicks a recommendation, and then leaves the site. Mm. We're like, oh, they got what they needed. They're off. Good. Mm. Yeah, you think, I think in consumers sometimes you're like, oh, we need people to be on the site for a really long time. Mm. We're like, let's get them in and out and coming back for the next thing. Mm. Um, and that's how we provide value. Mm. So Karma Fest. Karma Fest. This sounds like a, such a fun uh, project or a fun idea that you guys have executed on in such a short period of time. And so let's talk about that. Yeah, Karma Fest is really a celebration of all of the contributions that Fresh Chalkers have made since the beginning of the year. So when you go on Fresh Chalk and you make recommendations and people follow you mm -hmm. and you participate in, in conversations, you're earning karma points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a game. It's pretty fun. I was like, it's oh, karma fun. points. Cool. Yeah. Karma and everyone's points. like, what do karma points get me? And up until this month, we've been like, oh. Bragging rights. <laughs> and you're like, eh, okay, cool. Year number 37 in Seattle. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but recently we launched oh, a I game. Really Are you 37? I think it's like 30 something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm up there. Oh, that's pretty good. I got to go write more reviews and recommendations. Yes. I interrupted. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. So we decided to launch Karma Fest this December to celebrate both our community that is really the heart and soul of Fresh Chalk, as well as the professionals that are our community's favorites. Mm -hmm. So every day for two weeks, the karma points you've earned convert to tokens. Mm -hmm. And every day we have a prize with a prize jar. And you can put your tokens in the jar. Mm -hmm. So you might have, let's see here, you might have 500 tokens. Mm -hmm. And maybe you want to play a couple in today's jar because you would love to have a free family photo shoot. I do. Or you might want to save them up for a prize next week that we haven't even announced yet. <gasps> that is maybe even more exciting to you. She told us about it during lunch. You really want to watch now. this for really? next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get this. Um, so we really wanted to just have fun and, you know, reward people who have worked so hard to create content and be part of, you know, what makes Fresh Talk great. And it really works because I, I noticed the, uh, the Karma Fest happened this week and I was like, oh, click. And then I noticed, oh, like, you know, I have a bunch of Karma points I've, uh, I've accumulated. And I was like, oh, I can put in five. I can put in 10. I can put, put in, in one. hundred. That would be a token token. That would be a super token. <laughs> I was like, I'll put in 10. I put in 10 tokens and I was like, oh, there aren't that many people playing yet. So maybe I'll have a chance. But you don't know how many tokens people put in. I Some don't. people put them all in. <gasps> really? That's right. Those but are you can always get more. You get 10 every day just for showing up. Oh, really? 
Really? If you just visit the site, you get 10. <gasps> I need to visit today. And, and so just for full disclosure, both Aaron and I are uh, have our profiles on Fresh Chalk. Yeah. And, um, you know, because of the also the personal and professional relationship, you know, we go, you know, you guys go way back. And so there's nothing to, you know, it's part of the whole, like, disclosures, disclaimers that we do for the show. So just kind of, like, putting that out there on the table. That's know. right. Yes. We're fans. Yeah. But you are not employees of Fresh Chalk, nor relatives of employees, so you are still eligible to win. Ooh, we are still eligible. You're still eligible to win. Yeah. All right. If we eliminated all of our friends, that would (laughs) (laughs) eliminate quite a few potential users. (laughs) (laughs) These are good prizes. They're good prizes. uh, The the first day when it launched, I don't know if it was the actual first day, it was the first day I noticed. It was the car detailing one. From Wrench? Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I need those because my, you know, we have two small children. We need car detailing. It'd be great to have done before the end of the year. You could feed a family of four off of the backseat of my car for a week <laughs> i need that detail like that. <laughs> yeah it's you like goldfish children. crackers and raisins back there who knows well, grapes that turn into raisins for me yeah That's he, right. he spilled a whole bowl of grapes the other day <laughs> yeah so the cool thing about wrench is they come to you and i've actually used them for an oil change oh you have oil change mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, they do car maintenance right anything yeah. that's wrong with your car Ooh. they'll come to your home or to your workplace and do the work right there. And, cl- and this detail is, it could be parked in your driveway. It could be in your office parking garage. Let's do it. <laughs> sure. So done. Yeah, and the other one that I really liked was yesterday, the uh, the lights. Because, you know, we holiday holidays are here. And now the lentil, every time we're driving by, is like, Mommy, we need to go to the store and get Christmas lights for our house. Aww. Otherwise, Santa doesn't know where to go. Because we've been telling him, Santa won't give him this... Paw Patrol Mighty Lookout Tower. Like, that's a toy that I really want. I know that tower, yeah. You know that tower? Yeah, so that's what he really wants. So, uh, yeah, it's been playing us to get so lights. Another big idea that you guys are tackling is uh, labor shortage. During lunch, she said something really interesting that I want to talk a little bit more about is uh, through Fresh Talk, you're seeing that there's something about a labor shortage going around. Like, talk about that. What is that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we have heard from just individuals who are on the Fresh Chalk platform, but also from the pros that we're talking to, is Mm. that the biggest challenge is actually getting talent and getting employees within some of these trades to do the work. Hmm. You know, Seattle has been booming. Yeah. And there's construction projects all over the place. You know, you look out across the skyline and you see cranes everywhere. Yeah. And... The same thing is happening in residential housing. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, the density of our area is just increasing. And the the talent pool and, you know, the resources in the trades are not increasing at the same rate. Oh. And so what we're seeing is a huge shortage of people who are able to help general contractors get their jobs done. You know, maybe they're blocked on their architects. Maybe they're blocked on their cabinet makers. But there's shortages across the trades. And, you know, I think it's it's an interesting topic to think about when we, when we talk about income inequality in the mm-hmm. region. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a pathway to help bridge some of the gap through the trades and through um, more training, apprenticeships, and other programs to help people fill those holes in the labor pool while still having a, you know, a really respectable and important career mm-hmm. um, in one of these fields. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's something that we as the tech community need to think more proactively about, you know, our impact on the communities. And I think that's something like the WTIA, they have the apprentice program where, you know, they take second and third career folks and you know, teach them technology skills. And very often they can go from making $35,000 a year to $85,000 a year, I think is the uh, statistic, which is, you know, amazing. Um, taking on more apprenticeship type education uh, plans like they do in Germany where you don't have to go to a four-year college. You can go directly into the vocational trades and apprentice and learn skills and start earning right away. We need to embrace that more as a community. Yeah, you can make a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot yeah. of money. Yeah. You know, with the with the mounting student debt, the mounting rent prices, I mean, it is tough out there for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're interested to see if players pop up that can help bridge that gap. Um, I was talking to one startup founder yesterday who's focusing on this space. You know, it's it's another one of those opportunities that has been overlooked by by the tech community potentially because it's not something that we oftentimes have to deal with. You know, in talking about this need to find the best professionals to hire, some of the investors that I talked to were like, oh, yeah, this is the problem that my wife has. <laughs> you know, it's not, it may not be on their radar. They don't have to be the ones who find the gardener or get the painter in mm -hmm. or, you know, figure out who's going to do their landscaping. And, you know, it still does represent a big challenge and obstacle for a lot of people. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so in this, in this world of, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, you know, software eating the world, all these little catchphrases and a lot of the, the jargon, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are afraid of losing their jobs to computers and automation and robots and everything. But, I think that if they were to kind of take a step back and look at the look at the landscape, um, you know, there's a really good there's there's a healthy space for skilled trades mm -hmm. where people on the ground are needed. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, I read an article a while back. It's like locksmiths, plumbers. Um, you know, where you got to have feet on the ground, skilled hand hands, mm -hmm. and you know, minds that can work on stuff in person with people. Like that job uh, is not going to get outsourced. Like no, no one can no outsource that, that. Somebody no. has to do that. And they're you know? never going away. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, we all need shelter. We all need, you know, businesses need offices and things fall into states of disrepair. And it's ultimate job security. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even even like craftsmanship, the idea of craftsmanship, I I don't know, my brain goes to like movies that you've seen with the samurai and the person that makes a samurai sword mm. or sushi chefs, you know, mm. they go to great lengths to get like the perfect knife and they spend what I, I think like tens of thousands of dollars for that sushi knife that they will use for their entire career. Yeah. Like there's real good beauty in that or, you know, buying a p really good, well-crafted table that'll last and be, you know, given to my sons to use in their family home someday um, I kind of want us to go back into that. And I think that that is a trend that we're seeing. You know, people are less into fast fashion, um, mm -hmm. you know, H&M, the uh, Forever 21s. People want quality. something of quality, reusing, And renting. it has meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that we're trying to do with our platform is tell the stories of pros. Mm -hmm. You know, people in the tech industry get so much publicity and some of the articles written about them and their accomplishments. But people in the trades and, and craftsmen are equally impressive in what yeah. they accomplish. One of the businesses that we profiled is called Madsen Modern. 
Mm. And it's two brothers who opened a furniture repair store oh. in Soto. And they focus on mid-century furniture. Awesome. And they restore and repair pieces that have been in people's families for decades. I found out about them through another Fresh Chalk user. And I had them repair some of my furniture that was awesome. damaged. And I walked in and I was just overwhelmed by, you know, you're it's kind of surrounded by history. Yeah. And they're the caretakers of those pieces. Mm. And it's a very different feeling than walking into Crate and Barrel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but they're they're true craftsmen. Yeah, I really like that. Like we have a we have a big large sofa I shipped over from New York. Like when I moved from New York to Seattle, I came over with one bed one sofa and like a handful of boxes, you know, like college kid. I don't really have much, but this couch had been uh, given to my mother from a very, very old lady who was, you know, downsizing and, you know, moving into a retirement home and she had gotten it from her mother. So it's like super, super old, it's like super heavy. And so I had to, had to get it reupholstered um, and finding someone that knows like anyone that can reupholster a sofa by hand is like pretty impossible to find. Yeah. And you were probably willing to pay dearly <laughs> to I, do that. I paid, I think close to $2,500 to get it reupholstered. Right. Actually more than like 3000. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's not, it wasn't cheap, right? It's not like, you know, a $300 sofa that you get from like Ikea. Um, but it had so much meaning and had so much history and you, you can't, find sofas built like that anymore it's still upstairs <laughs> yeah it's it's making me think of one of the phenomenon that we're seeing as we build and grow fresh chalk which is that we have this perception that we only need help from mm -hmm. the outside world every once in a while like how often do you need to hire a plumber how often do you really have anything any work done in your house true but if you're like a lot of people here and elsewhere where you have a family mm -hmm. a home an automobile, maybe some pets. Mm. Like you are constantly relying on other people to mm -hmm. make your life work. Um, True. And I think that uh, my guess is that of my disposable income, I spend seventy five percent on services. Oh, the breaking point Easy. for me was uh, family, children. Mm -hmm. You know, so when it was just me and Ari, you know, it's like either I do it or she does it, and we're just take care of ourselves. But then when you have helpless children who have to have everything done for them and then, you know, you just don't have enough um, cycles in the day, you know, enough time yeah. to do everything that you need to do. But even before kids, you're not replacing your own water heater, right? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh. don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or putting in the flooring, yeah. grouting the floors, yeah. that sort right. of stuff. Huge respect for people who can DIY that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not me. I think I... If I touch it myself, you will be able to tell because it will look terrible. Uh, every time I try to build a piece of IKEA furniture, oh, it comes out wrong. Yeah, that's the thing for me. Like I try, I actually built a table once, and it came out like a parallelogram. Like I have no idea. I followed the instructions, and I was like, I don't understand. Oh yeah, I built a couch yeah. last year, uh -huh. and at the end, I had like twelve bolts left over. <laughs> uh oh. And I don't think that was supposed to happen. Doesn't sound right. No. I told the kids, don't jump on this couch. <laughs> you don't know what's, it could fall apart. Yeah, so that reupholstered couch upstairs, uh, it's been, um, you know, barfed on by two little kids of ours now. So I know, it's and the lentil drew on it. He took a ballpoint <laughs> yeah, pen and it, he yeah. drew all over the couch, oh and I was God. like, oh, oh my Who God. Who was the upholsterer? Do you still know them? You might have to recommend them on Fresh Chalk. 
Oh, I would have to dig through. You have to find out. Yeah, it was like an you old... You might need them again. It was an older man and a young guy. And the young guy was apprenticing with the older guy and reupholstering uh, furniture. Maybe um, we should do like an apprentice showcase. Oh, <gasps> that would be amazing. Encourage young people. You know, you don't have to just go work in tech. You right. don't have to like... It's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to sit behind a desk all day. No. Case in point. Yes. And not everybody wants to go to college. Not everybody. Like the other jobs that you think of when you're like, okay, I didn't go to college. What can I do? I guess I can bartend or wait tables. And I've done that too. Or work in retail. Right. right. But there are so many other things that you can do that are just really, really great. I don't know. What's the word? That are really great work. That's really good work. Yeah. Good, solid work to do. And you can build a career around and really add value to the community. Yeah, and if you're if you consider yourself entrepreneurial, starting your own business and running it and managing the books and the marketing of it, it's a great challenge. And yeah. I think it can be really lucrative. Um, we've talked to some people who run, you know, general contractor companies and things like that and those are profitable businesses. Mm-hmm. And you're really making an impact in people's lives. You're changing the, their home, their sense of home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, did you grow up in Seattle? Did you grow up in the Pacific Northwest? Where are you from? I'm a transplant. Okay. I grew up in the Midwest. Okay. Oh, you yeah. me- we mentioned Cincinnati in the... Uh, I lived in Cincinnati up. when uh-huh. I was um, in kindergarten, first grade, and then moved to Indianapolis, right outside of Indianapolis. And I was there through high school. Oh. So do you consider yourself a, uh, you know, kind of like corn-fed Midwestern? Corn-fed Midwestern. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I was born on the East Coast, and I went to school on the East Coast. So I... Oh, okay. I think in my heart of hearts, I think of myself as an East Coast person. Sure, yeah. I think your personality, you're like very competitive driven East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. I talk <laughs> about being nice, but like get me behind the wheel and it's not nice. Like, no. <laughs> Especially here. <laughs> go! I just don't understand people who don't have anywhere to go. Like, or who don't care about getting there quickly. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a personality flaw of mine, but um, I, I have a lot of I think Midwestern values mm-hmm. though. And, you know, everybody there is very hardworking and earnest sure. and, yeah. you know, maybe sometimes earnest to a fault, uh-huh. but I learned a lot from, from my upbringing there. And mm-hmm. I think that still comes through sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I probably mean, more credit to my parents. <laughs> I mean, most of uh, the folks that we know here, us, Aaron and I being transplants are also transplants. And so one of the phenomena that I, um, you, know, you talk about driving, but one of the phenomena that I quickly learned about here was that people don't uh, drive faster in the left-hand lanes yeah, here. It's don't. still the case, I think. But it's so funny because, you know, it's like Daytona 500 or Indianapolis 500, like in the south, like Dallas, and uh, yeah. Atlanta, like where I grew up in like Raleigh, North Carolina, like, you know, maybe the car culture and the race car culture is so oh, big. Maybe. It's like, you know. You better get out of the way if you're in the left-hand lane, and you know you should be passing. Yeah, but it's not. It wasn't like that here. It's still, it's still very much like people like, hanging out. That is like yeah. drivers <laughs> at day one. And what is the deal with people in four-way stops? Like <laughs> if you're facing each other and you're both going straight, you don't have right. to wait for the other person to get over until you go. Right, right, right. You can go at the same time. Right, yes. Right. <laughs> Seriously? It's like, no, 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 you go first. Oh, no, what about no, no, this you go one? First. What, what about this one? What? What about when someone's turning left uh-huh. and there's two lanes and the person behind the left turner doesn't go around? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Why? It's so inefficient. And so like I'll be the... And there'll be six cars. 
not going around. Yeah. And then you go around and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I guess I can go around. It's like, is this the first time you've ever been behind a left turner? Apparently. Mm. As a driver. (sighs) My blood pressure just went up. This This is like, I would say, a big challenge for me. So time, you like time, driving, efficiency. Yeah, Yeah. I noticed in my own Fresh Talk reviews, Mm -hmm. if I, you know, I write them one off. Right. So I'll write one, then I'll write one, you know, a week or two later. And then I went back and read them all. And all my reviews are like, they were so fast and efficient. They were so quick and responsive. They were so fast. (laughs) Oh my God, just such a one note pony, one trick pony, one note band. (laughs) It's very obvious what I value yes. in a pro yes. for my recommendations. Yes. Mm. Actually, uh, that's um, it's like a sales and recruiting technique. Uh, when you are looking to see like if this person's going to be a fit with the company or someone you want to talk to, or even a sales technique, right? I'm gonna about to go meet Liz, and I'm about to do a sales call on her. You read um, her, read what you write about other people. So I go not to people's recommendations about you. What read, you say about other people. Yeah, and that'll tell me exactly like what what you value. Exactly. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. interesting. Huh. Yeah, I, I read a lot of recommendations from Fresh Talk members, and they'll be like, this person really took the time to sit down with me and understand all there is to know about such and such. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to that person. decision. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I think that's one of the cool things about having recommendations come from people that you know. You can instantly apply that lens, Mm -hmm. that filter that you have because you know this person intimately or even Mm -hmm. superficially. But you can still be like, we're not really the same in this way. Mm -hmm. We don't value the same things in this area. Mm -hmm. So I can move quickly through my options Mm -hmm. with that in mind. Mm -hmm. We talked about that concept of lenses and seeing the world through your own lens with a couple of founders. you know, with uh, leadership, coaching, leadership, mentorship uh, oh, yeah, that we had, pathwise. I need to put them yeah. on Fresh Talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you should definitely yeah, put I those definitely should. on Fresh Talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's like uh, you reminded me saying that one word, lenses, but people truly do underestimate, and you had your own, you know, kind of like awakening moment when you look back at your reviews. I was like, oh, this is what I value. This yeah. is the, you know, lens by which I look at the, the people world. I want to work with. Right. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's there is kind of a weird voyeuristic fun <laughs> aspect of fresh chalk when you can look at someone's profile and be like, "Oh, there's a woman who is she's an expert in branding." Okay, cool. And she's a fresh chalk power user. Her Ooh. name is Lindsay Peterson. Yeah. And I was reading her profile and I was like, "Gosh, she does that floating thing. You know, the floating, the oh, silent yeah. floating? Yeah. Seattle Life float, float yeah. urban float. She's a she's a floater." What's a floater? Yeah, Harry doesn't what? know about this. What? Yeah. Wait, I'm Have sorry. you heard of this? No, I don't know. It is a sensory deprivation experience. Oh. I... Where you go into a tank of salt water. She's a floater. She's a floater. <gasps> and I just thought that was so cool because I've always wanted to do it, but I've been a little afraid that I would become claustrophobic in the tank. Um, oh. But I am inspired to do it because of her recommendation. Oh. And. I also we also noticed that she she does a lot of yoga and she really focuses on wellness. Oh. And we ended up talking to her about you know, what is it about her that makes her prioritize those things amidst being a mom and an author and an entrepreneur and a businesswoman and mm-hmm. a daughter and all these other so cool things. Yeah, That's really cool. You can really see what people invest in. 
in their personal lives when you become friends with them on Fresh Talk. Right on, right on. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what money. does your profile say about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to spend more time on it now. Oh, I am working on uh, putting up some recommendations for a Korean day spa. So oh, yeah. Um, I have my go-to place, and then my mom says she found a, a different one. So, you know, Korean, you know, established lady in federal way. Okay. So we're going to go explore that on Friday, and I'll... Uh, follow up to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll follow up with the... Uh, I had the asking for recommendations the other day, looking to see if anybody else had any other inputs. And Does it have to be Korean? Is it hydrotherapy, or it's like a specific thing? It's a very specific thing, and I'm okay. also looking for a skin scrubbing, and the way the Koreans do it versus like the Western is very different too. Explain that. Um, so Western scrubs, like I've done those where like they do sugar scrub or whatever, and it's very um, dainty the way Westerns do it. <laughs> and so they like rub Here's stuff on you. She's doing right now. <laughs> you want it like sandpaper. No, there's no sandpaper at all. The Western one is also like slower, and they got the mood music, and everyone's talking very like soft voices when they like you're in a very dark room right yeah in the uh, korean one lights are all on they like um they actually treat you like a piece of meat are you <laughs> naked you're completely naked but usually it's not co-ed so women are in their own area and men are in their own area and so they'll have you sit in like a hot warm bath for like 10 minutes and then they'll have you go sit in the hot hot hotter bath for another 10 minutes and they'll like warm you know so your skin's really really I don't know, soaked in. Yeah. And then when it's your time, they like call your number and you You've come been marinated up. by that point. You've been marinated and, you know, fully soaked and your skin's, you know, kind of wrinkly. And then they like lay you on the table. Face down or face up? Either way. <laughs> you, usually they start you face down. And so you're like face down and they're like have all of your skin exposed. And then a lady will usually like start scrubbing. She just, um, they have, it's it's not rough, it, but it it's, it's, it's not, sandpaper and they just start but it's an exfoliant it yeah okay so they'll rub that skin off and they'll like throw hot water on you and then scrub more off is it a water. wet room like the floor is tile yeah. everything's wet yeah and they'll <laughs> they'll take buckets of warm water and like swoosh it on dump top it of on you, you to like Ooh. rinse off the you know are you alone cells. in the room or are other people getting no, scrubbed usually there's like you know t- table after table and there's room and like in the ones i've gone to in like new york or la you know they'll like bring out fruit so there'll be like a refrigerator right nearby and they'll like crack it open as they're doing it and they'll like they'll tell you to roll over so you'll be on your tummy and then you'll roll over onto your back and then all of a sudden there'll be this lady that comes with like a drink and she'll like you'll drink from it and then they'll start stuffing like pineapples and grapes into your mouth and then they'll have you lay down and then they'll start like scrubbing your front and so it's like this it's like a it's a very it's a very unique experience it's a unique experience but like once you've had that you come out and you're like my skin has never felt so soft how long does it last though till like the next day like it's got to be quick months. for Liz, you know. Months? <laughs> months, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be fast, efficient, quick. It's got to be fast. It lasts. And if it go- I mean, you get a massage, and then, like, five minutes later, you feel the same as you did before. But that's because it's a Western massage. Have you not had the, like, Chinese foot massages or, like, the Asian ones that they, like, really dig no. in there? And it's cheaper. It's like, you know, you go to a Western massage, it's like, I don't know, $100, $60 for an hour. That's like thirty dollars. Thirty dollars for an Asian one, and they really get in there and they hit all your. You know, Peter. Points. Do you know Peter Chi? Yeah, he put a place on his profile about that, and I'm gonna go back and check it out. Yeah, it's Chinese foot massage. There's one down, um, down, uh, down in the international. Is it Street. reflexology, uh, or is that different? No, different. Chinese foot massage. It's re- and you don't have to get naked or do anything. They don't have any of the mood music. They literally just get it done, and you're out. It's cheap. It's 
It's really funny. okay. I'm only going to ask this question because okay, you brought it up. Okay, do you think it would be interesting to have, like, do you prefer Korean service providers? No, no, <laughs> no. Korean service? No, no. Okay, I don't. But I do prefer the Korean like spa day. Have to go Korean. Can't go to any other one. Okay. And actually, the Russians. The Russians love the banyas. The, the banya Russians five. Yeah. Come to the uh, Korean spas too, because <gasps> we do it in a whole different way. So like after you do the spa treatment of you know getting your skin scrub, they have different rooms. So you have like full gold room. You have like jade room. You have different mineral rooms where you go and get like detoxified. Um, you go and well, you and I need to go do this. Okay, I'll do it. I'm gonna. I'm only gonna do it with you because oh, I'm, I'm happy gonna be afraid. To. Happy to. And then you go into the uh, little kitchen and everyone's in like this row. So everyone's in this uniform and you get to have like delicious, you know, home cooked. I mean, Korean food is literally the same no matter where you go. I don't know. It, it hasn't been Americanified. That's the thing yeah. about Korean food. Yeah. And so like you get to have Korean food made It's not by... going to be like a Korean hamburger. No, there's no such thing as Korean hamburger. Like Kore- And also Korean food, again, has not been Westernified like Chinese food is has. Is it only a matter of time? No way. You can't. Can't do it. No, no, it's more mainstream. I mean, like, uh, that's why Urine opened up down in uh, Pioneer Square. I forgot about that. that He was in, like, Trader Joe's, and he's like, they were selling selling Prugogi. Oh, yeah, Prugogi. And he's like, like, okay, if Trader Joe's has got Prugogi now, then we're going to open a restaurant. It closed, though. What's that? It closed. Urine? No way. No. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) Womp, womp. I know. That food was good. The, the, the oh like uh, Costco. I mean, you can get like shin shin ramen at Costco. Like a very genuine like uh, original and the Korean packs. stuff. People seaweed are eating are like seaweed. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my kids yeah. love that. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's uh, I think anecdotally, I heard from somebody at Costco. They said that first um, you know the first warehouse they opened up in Seoul, it had like record sales higher than any other brand new Costco that ever opened up in the world. Yeah, you know, because of the you know rampant consumerism that consumers Koreans. Uh, Koreans have. Yeah. Oh, they love to buy things. <laughs> love. Yeah. They are the best at like everything consumers. So like, my experience with Korean uh, meal, like you order uh, a hot meal, literally five minutes later it shows up and it shows up in a bowl. Like I had a jajangmyeon. It's so delicious. I ate the entire like giant bowl of jajangmyeon. Um, like black bean uh, noodles. Mm, bean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we just had those for the first time at Szechuan Garden. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's, Chinese. It's, it's like Chinese Korean. Okay, we both adopted <laughs> it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. They were really good. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a adventurous eater. Let's uh, let's uh, land the plane here. Um, yes, sir. How about we just go into like a general conversation about money? Mm. Yeah. What is money, Liz? <laughs> oh gosh. I will admit that I do not spend a lot of time thinking about money. But you just came from well, fundraising. You do, but you don't. It, it's my, in my personal life. In my personal yeah. life. Okay. I'm way yeah. better at managing the company's money than mm-hmm. my own. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably because on my list of priorities, it's like kids, family, work. Mm. I don't like to buy things. I don't like to shop. And so I just try to make sure my bases are covered. I'm saving a little bit. I can pay my bills. And then I focus on kind of the big picture and like what it, where could the big payoff come from? Mm. Um, Very interesting. But I don't think I'm a great example of right, right. managing your personal money yeah, yeah. in the best possible way. What about like stocks and bonds and, you know, gold, other... Do you have a financial like advisor? I have a financial advisor, but I do not go to visit him okay. anymore. Okay. Because I decided I didn't want to drive to Bellevue. 
Uh, <laughs> talk about money. <laughs> I was always in the financial advising meetings being like, are we done yet? Uh, Can I go back right. to work yet? <laughs> uh, time is money. Time yeah, money. it's interesting because growing up, my family didn't have a lot of money. Mm. And we lived in a pretty affluent town, but we were kind of on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of financial resources. But my parents moved there because of the schools. Right. And so growing up, I was always conscious of not having money sure. yeah. and aware of how much more money and how much more wealthy the people around me were. Yeah. And I think as I've gotten older, I just care so much less. Mm. I, you know, I don't, I don't aspire to have things. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes my choices a lot clearer mm -hmm. when it comes to yeah. deciding to work at a startup versus yeah. a big company. Like I know I could make more money somewhere, but somewhere else, yeah. but I wouldn't have the experience that I'm having. Mm -hmm. And I know that everybody has a different perspective on sure, having yeah. nice things and yeah. <laughs> living in the best home and all of those, you know, right. all those aspects to life and to each his own. But for me, that's just not that important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I struggled uh, so long, like we were talking about at lunchtime, but like try, I've struggled so long to like get ahead of the whole like, you know, wealth building and all that stuff. And it's because, you know, you, know, you learn about inflation and then you got to beat inflation and then you got to get, you know, a higher return over inflation if you want to actually get ahead. And then it, it becomes this very much like a hamster I'm getting wheel anxious kind of hearing you talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then for the longest time when I finally you know, recently discovered Bitcoin and the whole world of that sort of, you know, brand new digital money. And then you Whoa. realize it's like, oh, wait a minute. So it's actually, uh, it's actually inflation is being put upon us by, you know, other folks who are, you know, in, in regulatory positions. And then you start asking more questions like, well, why is it like that? Why is, you know, that being done? Why is this being done? And we're heading into a really interesting time period these days with maybe you've heard about the zero or negative bond rates in Europe. Insane. But apparently, yeah, it's like this age old, ages, you know, millennia old concept of if I give you money, then you will give me, you'll pay me interest to use mm -hmm. my money. But that's actually getting thrown out the window these days. And there's a lot of concepts like that that are being tested uh, like right now, like literally. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. I don't know if you remember when growing up, you used to, if you put your money into a certain bank account, mm -hmm. you had interest. You used to get interest. Yeah. And you put it into savings, you got even more interest. Um, and so, like, I remember rates being like 6%. Um, or even it's much lower then. now. Yeah, there's <laughs> no interest. There's no interest. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. But where do you think that interest is going right now? It's going into the shareholders' hands of those banks, yeah. right? Yeah. Instead of to the people, and who's funding those banks and putting the money into the bank accounts, right? Because the rich people are actually putting their money into homes and mm -hmm, property, lots of other things. But those that are working people are putting their money into banks, checking accounts, and savings accounts. Yeah. Um, but they're not getting paid for it anymore. Something yeah. to think about. Do you think yeah. that, uh, so you definitely heard about Bitcoin. I've I mean, heard about Bitcoin. I've yeah. never purchased any. Never purchased any. No. Nope. Like, what would make, uh, I guess, what would uh, be the tipping point to kind of make you cross the chasm of actually, actually experimenting and having some Bitcoin? Well, tell me why I should. <laughs> <laughs> Other than what you've Sell just told yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. For me, th the way I break it down is more about uh, trying to understand the perspective of the person mm -hmm. that I'm talking to. And so, you know, it depends on, you know, maybe if they have kids, it depends on, 
you know, if they like to speculate, maybe they like to like gamble, maybe they already do stocks and bonds. I gamble with my, uh, I gamble with my job every day. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, yeah, I think that, um, I may not be in your target audience for Bitcoin just because it's, it's not a personal interest of mine. Mm -hmm. I'm not educated on it. Mm -hmm. And I think to make a move, I'd have to have a pretty strong an incentive incentive <laughs> we to about to get involved to yeah. educate myself yeah. well it's pretty low barrier to like get basic level education yeah. so you know you can put in ten dollars or a hundred dollars a small financial amount to go and see what an actual transaction looks like and see a distributed ledger and where um, would i go do that so one of the best on-rams, um, actually locally here, is a company called CoinMe. So you can just go. Like, you go to Safeway. Uh, there's a Coinstar kiosk. Also, okay. Um, you can actually put in, like, $5 and then buy your first $5 worth of Bitcoin at a coin. Direct cash to yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. There's a, there's a, you know. And I will start earning interest. So there's no interest per se, but if you look I'm at asking the questions all your listeners yeah. <laughs> are dying to know. <laughs> if you look at the value of Bitcoin over time, um, even from like last year to this year, it still is the best performing asset when you compare it to like bonds or stocks or any other asset class Didn't out there. Didn't the Bitcoin market fall out though? It did. So they had really high highs in 2018. The high was about $20,000. We haven't gone returned to that yet. But if you look at the asset class from, you know, year over year over year, it still is one of the best performing assets. And it's a um, in terms of like, you know, portfolios, you always want to diversify. And so even putting ten hundred dollars into a new asset class is a smart thing to do just as an investor. You know, like hmm. you want to buy your home. You want to, you know, if you have the means, you know, put some money into buying a couple of stocks or mutual bonds and things of that sort. Participate in your 401k if your company, you know, affords you to do a IRA if you can afford to do that. This is another thing to do um, just to make sure that you're balancing out your portfolio and thinking about this new asset class. But also in a technology way, you can see how fast this transaction is. So if you want to send a wire transfer to your family members in Germany or for us in Korea, like to go to a bank and put in, you know, I want to send $100 to my cousin in Korea. I have to do it during banking hours, mm-hmm. which are only Monday through Friday, business hours. Um, they're going to charge me, what, a $25,000 wire fee or whatever that is. Um, if it's under a certain amount, there's a fee. You know, if it's over a certain amount, there's a fee. And, you know, my $100 becomes $70 by the time it reaches Korea. Yeah. That's not cool. So well, you can just send them Bitcoin? I can just send them $100 worth of Bitcoin and they can receive it in minutes. And how do they cash it out? So there's lots of exchanges where they can just take that Bitcoin and exchange it for one. They can exchange it for Ethereum. They can exchange it for whatever they want. Or they can just hang on to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty safe there. Um, how many people in the country have Bitcoin? Very small amount. I mean, this is something I was going to say a moment ago, but I think you're probably... A very savvy, typical. Uh, you're you're very savvy, um, but you know, as like a technologist and you know, leader in a company and everything, everything. But um, what it comes down to is that uh, most Americans they really aren't thinking about it at all. Yeah. They see the headlines, they see the news, they have a lot of misconceptions about it. But you know, it it's kind of like the solution. It's kind of it's kind of a solution first, and then you figure out what the problems there are in the mm-hmm. world that it solves and and being such a nebulous topic and you know again like people don't really think about what is money 
Especially uh, so here in the United States. It's so, a very hard yeah. subject, yeah. But, you know, it's other countries, emerging markets where money is inflated by the governments because they can't manage monetary policy correctly. It's, it's, uh, it could be a, a lifeline, mm-hmm. you know, into survival, basically. You know? Interesting. Yeah. But as the economy becomes more and more global, which it is, right, we're more and more of a global economy, um, you hear stories like Russell Kung, former Seahawk NFL player, has, you know, put his body on the line, you know, has amassed quite a b- bit of wealth. Well, when he was on vacation, he probably wants to go and spend that wealth, right? And he has ex- expectations. I've put my body on the line. I've made a lot of wealth. Now I want to go enjoy it when I want to go enjoy it. He goes to his home country of Nigeria and his bank says, no, we can't give you your money. And he's like, well, I need my money because I want to spend it. And they're like, no, we don't do any business with Nigeria. And he's like, well, it's my money. And the bank says, no. It's a true story. It's, ac- it's a true story. Oh, yeah. It's actually not your money. It's in my bank. So it's my money. Right? Money. What about Their the money. FDIC? <laughs> That's no. actually what we are learning is that a lot of what we understand money to be here in the United States has been a lot of marketing and miseducation. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you like dig into it and you start learning about it, you go, this is, we're on very, very shaky ground. And so mm-hmm. um, that's, that's sort of like the uh, takeaway that I've had um, on our monetary policies, our, our way of understanding how we do credits and debits, credit cards, how the wealthy get wealthier, how you amass wealth. I mean, like we actually have been beneficiaries in a lot of ways, you know, just because I did go to an Ivy League school and I did work in tech. Um, but you start seeing, huh, like the math doesn't add up. It mm-hmm. doesn't add up for everybody and it is not accessible to everybody. Yeah. And the education information is not accessible to everybody. And so that's that's sort of like how I've landed on Hmm. Something something really does need to change, and people really do need to be more educated and aware. And yes, we're all fighting for time to for ourselves and for our families. Um, but somehow, we also have to help people get the information that they need. Interesting. So, are there Bitcoin banks then? Their exchanges, their their exchanges. So you should recommend them on Fresh Talk. Oh, okay. and then we'll do an article about it, and we'll oh, try to educate people. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, <gasps> that's yeah. a great idea. Because we have banks, we have banks on Fresh Talk. <gasps> yes, we but we don't have Fresh any. With all we don't have any Bitcoin <laughs> exchanges or yeah, the literally one of the best ones and one of the hidden gems. See, I don't even know what to call it. Is Coin Me? They're here in Seattle. They're the one and only licensed, regulated. Um, nationwide fintech bo- uh, fintech blockchain solution you can put your money there they have wallet solutions interesting yeah so uh so much of the uh, seattle startup scene and tech community and fintech community don't don't even know and realize that this so should right we here. have fresh shot karma points turn into bitcoin we should we should really <laughs> i mean i think you can really uh, tokenize literally what we would call it as we're calling it. tokens but you can tokenize karma points, and you don't have to do an ICO to do that. You can, you don't, you don't have to. Um, you can actually tokenize them and make them exchangeable. So interesting. This is a world, seriously. It really is like the Matrix. You take that red pill, mm-hmm. and you know you get the folks who are like, "Yeah, I think I want to go back." It's like maybe that steak, you know, isn't real, but I really, really enjoy it. 
And then you get other folks who are like, we need to free the masses also and, you know, wake them up from the matrix. You know, it's evil, all that. It's been a journey, yeah, like a multi-year pe- journey for me. People collect stars on Starbucks or yeah. Nordstrom points. Like, I'm, those are two very good loyalty programs. Alaska Airlines miles. Right, yeah. So imagine if you could interchange them. You could take your 1,000 Alaska miles and get $50 worth of Starbucks coffees. Or $50 worth of Starbucks coffees turns into 300 karma points. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the future that we're looking at. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Awesome. Thanks for coming in. I, I, I really uh, like your focus. It's like uh, we started talking about money and Bitcoin, and then your light bulb went off. And it's like, hey, what about karma points? What about uh, you know turning you know karma into Bitcoin? All this kind of stuff. All-consuming so I like the focus. I, yeah, I think it is. You know, yeah. this is like Fresh Chalk is our baby, and yeah. it's, you know, it's one of the downsides, I think, of being an entrepreneur is that it's very hard to turn it off. Exactly. And yeah. especially when you've taken other people's money mm-hmm. yeah, and you feel an obligation to yeah. like really make something of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that sense of fiduciary responsibility is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think more of the more founders can talk about that and, you know, walk the talk, uh, the better this ecosystem will be. Um, I think we should land the plane. What yeah, do you yeah. think? So thank people, you. thank you so much, Liz. People want to follow you, Liz Pierce, or learn more about freshchalk.com, F R E S H C H A L K.com. What should they do? Um, visit us at freshchalk.com. Sign up. You'll probably find some people that you know to follow. Um, or you can start by following me on freshchalk.com slash Liz Pierce. Same handle on Twitter. And would love to connect. Liz P R C L I Z P R C. Awesome. Well, thank you to our listeners. Um, Hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Rate, review, subscribe, share. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hi, y'all. This is Anthony Etman from Ikigai. Just wanted to give you a few quick compliance disclosures here. None of the statements or opinions expressed in windshield time by the guests or its hosts are to be taken as financial or legal or psychological or dietary advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the SEC, the CFTC, or any other regulatory agency of the United States or of any other sovereign national regulatory agency or any country or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening, you acknowledge that the host Airy and Day and their guests are not financial advisors or legal scholars or psychologists or dietitians of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. There shall be no reliance by the listeners to the representations made in this podcast as being factual, fiduciary, or any other big vocabulary word you can think of. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of the known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions, moments or observations of sarcasm, sadness, glee, education, entertainment, enlightenment, or any other unenumerated emotion and or reaction experienced from the Windshield Time podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction. That may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. This podcast may contain adult information. Discretion is strongly advised. Thanks for listening.
Yeah. No. We're hot right now. Hot. hot right now. We're hot. Yeah, so Drop it you know that old joke about, um, let used to be the old joke, because I started working in the mid-90s. If you don't want what you write to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, then don't put it in an email. Right. So now it's, if you don't want what you said to be shared <laughs> through the interwebs on a podcast, then don't say it on the podcast. That, hence the lunch before I kind of like fizzle Slow. it out. And you should have given me some booze. <laughs> oh, you want some booze? Would you like some That'll booze? Be, you can be on the we next drinking, show. Drinking, not driving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, our, should be drinking and driving our logo home. is the, uh, you know, we're both driving. Windchill right? time. Windchill time. But you can see kind of our, our flow for the introduction of the shows. That's what we, you know, consistently <laughs> try to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> You're like a dude, Ari. You're like a dude. You're like a dude. I am. You just belch <laughs> on the air. Raised by wolves. Is this car talk? Raised by wolves. Ducks. 